0: chapter ten of recollections of bush life in australia by henry william Hagarth. this librivox recording is in the public domain recording by kirk Ziegler. first visit from the aborigines of the many novelties which meet the traveller's eye in strange countries especially in one so peculiar as australia there is perhaps none more striking or to which he looks forward to with greater interest than his first sight of the aborigines I allude to those of course in the interior and not to the debased specimens that are to be met with in the streets of sydney these can create nothing in the mind of the beholder but repugnance at the state of demoralization into which they have fallen and pity mingled with shame that their intercourse with the white man should have apparently served only to eradicate their natural good qualities few as they were and to engraft the vices of the european on their own such is one of the least pleasing scenes of the capital of the antipodes there is a crowd in the vicinity of a public house a black usually very far advanced in the state of rum is settling his differences with his gins whom their ungallant lord is either wadding for example belaboring with his club in which he naturally has it all his own way or vociferously squabbling with in which as naturally he is sure to be worsted without any disparagement to the soft sex of other countries the most loquacious of them all would bear little comparison with an australian gin when fairly moved to yabber and the veriest scold from europe might receive a practical lesson of her inferiority from her sable sisters at the antipodes so apt and voluble is their discourse it is only in the inland districts far apart from these scenes of dissipation that the new hollander can now be seen in his natural state and we had not long occupied our station before our wishes in this respect were fully gratified for within a month from the time of our arrival we were not only introduced to the major part of the tribe inhabiting our district but were additionally favored by the sight of a corroboree or native dance by night which we were informed at the time was held in honor of our arrival but which we discovered when we knew more about the customs of the aborigines was always celebrated at the time of the full moon the party that first presented itself consisted of two males with their gins or women carrying their children on their backs or occasionally perched up higher still above their shoulders and accompanied by a countless host of dogs which were in themselves as unlike any other varieties of the canine species as could be imagined and evidently disliked the whole system of civilization not less than their owners. One of the men was very old, and his scanty locks, grizzled upon coal-black skin, had a particularly disagreeable effect. The other was in his prime, and as a fair specimen of a New Hollander, his appearance may be described as follows: his height was about five feet four inches, which was the average of our tribe. The chest was full the arms and shoulders muscular the body long in comparison with the legs which were slight and appeared more so than they actually were from the unnatural protuberance of the belly this is a remarkable distinguishing point of all the race the countenance was such as to be very repulsive at first sight though much of its harshness wore off on further acquaintance each feature however was very bad if considered separately the hair was coarse matted and reeking with oil added by its great luxuriance to the disproportionate size of the head the forehead was round and the brows overhanging the eyes sunk deep into the head small and strongly expressive of cunning the nose was flat and very broad at the base the mouth wide and additionally disfigured in our opinion by the loss of the two front teeth which after a certain age it seems are not worn that their loss is a matter of choice a black who had long been on our station in a sort of half domesticated state gave us a clear proof telling us one morning with a look of importance that he must go away for a few days as he had grown up to a man's estate and it was high time that he should have his teeth knocked out some of the most startling sights that a traveller sees are produced after all by different ideas of the ornamental how many a fair european whose smile exposes the only spot on her beauty might covet the pearly teeth of the australian savage which though in our estimation they are the choicest gift he has received from nature he yet prizes so lightly as to see a greater charm in the gap created by the absence of the very pair that are most conspicuous and important to return to our portrait the whole of the breast and back together with the arms from the shoulder nearly to the elbow were marked in a manner peculiar to the new hollanders the flesh being raised in a series of parallel lines interrupted at intervals of the thickness of one's forefinger this operation which is entirely different from the tattooing of the new zealander and other savage tribes is performed at an early age by means of a sharp flint and is a tedious and painful process though considered no less a matter of course than the loss of the teeth the skin which covers these mounds or wavelets of flesh has the glossy appearance of a scar, and the effect of the whole is very disagreeable in the eyes of an European. The female or gin was shorter and thinner, and to say the truth even less prepossessing in appearance, though not much past her prime, her cheeks were sunken, and there was a faded look upon her features and limbs as if she were suffering from premature old age a piece of fishbone, smooth and polished was inserted in the gristle of her nose projecting about an inch and a half on either side and removable at will being apparently a sort of full dress appendage not to be worn upon all occasions and though anything but ornamental it was at least preferable to the vacuum left by its absence which rendered the profile most unsightly round her neck was an ornament which bore some resemblance to a european necklace it was made of small pieces of reed cut into equal lengths and strung upon a sort of thread fabricated from the bark of trees her cheeks were besmeared with pipe clay a mark of mourning and her matted hair was adorned with several feathers from the wings of the white cockatoo those of the party that had any covering for some were perfectly naked wore cloaks made of the skins of the opossum about forty of which stitched together with a strong thread made from the stringy bark tree formed a kind of wrapper reaching nearly to the ground and fastened at the neck by a crooked piece of bone the most interesting objects of the group were the children viewed at that tender age ere the wild blood ran strong in their veins they seemed born for better things than their parents could teach them and we seldom saw one of them without a wish to reclaim it from the hard and desultory life that was before it in spite it must be owned of all known precedents which have hitherto fully borne out old horace's maximan, that it is in vain to contend with nature naturum expellus furca tamen usque. In fact, there is something in the very constitution of an Australian savage which sets at defiance all attempts at domestication. Unlike a Scotchman, of whom, as Johnson has told us, much may be made if he be caught young, he has, up to the present time, been proof against the ameliorating effects of early education. He can be reconciled to a temporary residence with the white man. He may laugh with him, smoke with him, and accompany him willingly on his excursions but his stay can never be considered permanent for even in this half-civilized state he will not long be contented suddenly a reaction takes place and the settler who on the previous evening had left his black protege comfortably sleeping in an adjacent gunio or camp with his two sheets of bark above his head and a sparkling log fire at his feet awakes in the morning and finds him gone the fugitive was perhaps to have accompanied him the very next day on some preconcerted expedition which had been discussed the last thing overnight but in the morning he is gone whither no one can tell ere the first signs of life appeared even among the early risers on the stock station he has gathered up his spears his boomerangs and possum cloak and plunged into the boundless forest whence he will some day reappear as suddenly again to take a peep at the white man's home and again to return to the superior attractions of absolute freedom on the evening subsequent to their arrival the aborigines who had been joined by many others during the course of the day began to prepare for the celebration of their korabori or general dance a picturesque flat in the vicinity of the station had been fixed on as the scene of action whither we repaired about ten o'clock anxious for the commencement of our australian night's entertainments round an enormous log fire the flames of which continually fed by green boughs crackled and rose to the height of many feet in the air stood some twenty of the blacks grasping each other by the hand and forming a circle within which there was no admittance with the exception of a narrow wrapper round the waist they were all naked and the whole of their bodies from head to foot were streaked with the same white pigment with which in the morning they besmear their faces only the djins took no part in the dance but sat on the ground at a short distance scattered here and there in small groups drawing out a monotonous sort of chorus and with their short sticks beating on the ground an accompaniment which when the whole scene before us and the dusky performers were taken into consideration might well have been called the devil's tattoo we stood on a bank slightly raised above the performers and when the corobori had fairly commenced the extraordinary gestures and attitudes of the dancers their coal-black bodies illuminated by the flames their cries echoing through the forest and increasing with their excitement produced an effect which exceeded our utmost expectations it was impossible however that such exertions could last long and accordingly while we were already beginning to wonder at their powers of endurance the scene shifted the circle of dancers stood still and a black advancing towards the fire in front of the others volunteered a paswell he commenced by leaning forward placing his hands upon his knees and bending them outwardly while he kept his eyes intently fixed on them for an australian savage when dancing is always the closest spectator of his own performances he has no idea of exhibiting solely for the amusement of his companions the carriage of the upper part of the body was little regarded the step consisted in communicating to the legs from the thigh downwards a peculiar quivering movement as if the lines of the white pipe clay with which they were streaked were slowly revolving there was nothing graceful nor on the other hand was there anything licentious in the action and the only thing we could say of it was that it was the most singular figure we had ever seen and perfectly in keeping with the rest of the ceremony it was midnight ere the corroboree drew to a close and while the flames were gradually dying away the shouts of the savage crew were echoing more and more faintly through the woods we retired from the spectacle to see it again in our dreams mean as were the intellects of our sable friends and much as they have been vilified on this point their company was a constant source of interest and it seemed to us that their mental capacities if rightly understood and judiciously drawn out were at least better than they have been represented they were frequently set down as too stupid to be taught and barely raised above brutes by those who either take no trouble or are wanting in tact to distinguish the good from the evil in their natural disposition their idleness is unquestionable and their dislike to all restraint seems bred in the bone but they have at least their happy moments the molle tempora fonde and when they see good reason to shake off their lethargy they exhibit powers of the mind by no means despicable and some of their remarks are very much to the purpose the stock-keeper was one day taxing a black with having speared some of the cattle under his charge and as the accused failed to exonerate himself he was called in conclusion a cabon a great rascal this roused him to a defence of his conduct and after a hot argument and a good deal of excitement he proved pretty forcibly that in the general course of things he was not the aggressor and that his tribe the first occupiers of the district had as much right to help themselves to a piece of beef as the white man by his intrusion and presence to drive away the emus and kangaroos which the black denominated his cattle on another occasion i observed one of the tribe watching with great attention a stranger who was holding forth with much volubility upon some current topic when in conclusion he was asked what he thought of the speaker he answered directly i believe no good that one it seemed that with them as with us the emptiest vessels make the greatest sound and he persisted in his first opinion of one who in his own phrase had too much abor the language used in the interior of the country between the europeans and aborigines is a most ridiculous jargon being a mixture of the black's own language with english and nonsense it is not easy to account for the invention of these absurdities as the real word seems always simpler than its substitute the accident and the accumulation of endless blunders seem to have composed them and many years use of them could never diminish in our ears the extent of their absurdity thus in talking to a black a dray cart or a vehicle of any sort is expressed by a wheelbarrow to see or distinguish is to make a light anything white is like a flower-bag to come or appear is to jump up or to be or exist is to sit down a town is designated big smoke a quantity or a number of anything that happens at the time to be more than was expected is called thousand and so on ad infinitum epithets and even long descriptions are generally preferred to simple terms the phrase used by our tribe to signify a handsaw was taken from its motion when in action they never could be persuaded to call it anything but a yan go and come back again of these materials an ultra comic grammar might be formed and when a conversation is carried on in this dialect the effect is highly ludicrous a stockman is in quest of his saddle horses and meets some of the blacks to whom his first question is you make a light, to belonging to me have you seen my horses to which the answer is bail me make a light but i believe you burry burry find em thousand tracks sit down all about i have not seen them but i believe you will soon find them there are tracks in all directions which thousand by and by subsides upon examination into about a dozen prints of a hoof on the sand and a few more of dubious date upon the grass this mode of talking is of course used only by those tribes which occupy the settled districts where they have gradually laid aside the hostility which the first approach of the white man generally occasions and have become as familiar with him as it is in their nature to be one thing that was self-evident in our district that inferior as the aborigines were in intellect they invariably used to learn more of our language than we acquired of theirs many of our tribe could speak english tolerably well whereas it was unusual to meet with an englishman who had any idea of their language unmixed with his own and with the jargon i have just mentioned whether any belief in a supreme being existed among our tribe was a source of frequent speculation among us but all attempts to gratify our curiosity by a sight of their religious ceremonies were baffled i am unable even to affirm that they have any or entertain the least notion of a deity funeral rites and some other customs they certainly practiced but always with the strictest secrecy and with the greatest jealousy of the white man's intrusion it was remarkable that while infanticide confessedly prevailed among them yet the death of an adult was deeply felt after burial the subject was never mentioned and the slightest allusion to it would produce a look of mingled horror and remonstrance which might cause even the most thoughtless inquirer to desist few attempts have been made to convert individuals to christianity from a generally prevailing opinion that there is little hope of success a never failing source of interest and amusement to us when any of the tribe were encamped at our station arose from the exhibition of their weapons which served to beguile many a summer's evening when the labors of the day had been concluded they are a few in number consisting of two missiles the spear and boomerang the waddies or clubs of which they have a great variety and the heloman a kind of shield or weapon of defense their mode of throwing the spear is peculiar to themselves other savage nations hurl it from the hand alone but to an australian black it would be useless without the aid of his woomera or throwing stick this is a narrow slip of wood about three feet in length broad at one end and furnished at the other with a blunt barb which fits into a nick at the head of the spear and the hand of the thrower also grasps at the same time the other end of the woomera and the spear about three feet from the butt upon launching the spear the woomera is retained in the hand and thus acts as a powerful lever usually commanding a range of ninety or a hundred yards which is considerably more than it could be sent in the ordinary manner the spears are of two sorts one perfectly solid and about seven or eight feet in length the other, which can be thrown to a greater distance, is made of light reeds, joined together with gum and fibers of the bark trees, and terminating in a point of very hard and heavy wood. The most curious missile is the boomerang, which may unquestionably be considered the most extraordinary offensive weapon ever found in the possession of savages. It is a thin, curved piece of wood, varying from two to three feet in length and about two inches broad one side is highly rounded the other is perfectly flat when thrown it must be held by that end which brings the flat side on the right hand or outside and the convex edge of the weapon must be nearest to the thrower to whom therefore when he is in the act of dismissing it from the hand the edge alone is visible it is used in warfare for killing game and also for amusement and the shape consequently varies a little with its intended application a war boomerang is the largest and being merely constructed to fly in a straight direction has less curve than the other kinds and but little difference between its two sides this is the most formidable weapon the blacks possess as well from its power of inflicting a serious wound at a considerable distance as from its extraordinary evolutions which render it difficult to be avoided the shape of the other two varieties of this weapon is nearly the same they are shorter and usually of rudder construction but far more curious in their action they are also more serviceable to the black than the spear whenever he is in pursuit of smaller game from the ease with which they can be concealed in the folds of his blanket or possum cloak while he steals on his prey but it is only when thrown for amusement that the wonders of the boomerang are fully developed whenever there was a camp of blacks near our station it used to be our great delight to assemble a few of the most promising of its inmates and offer a prize some tobacco or flour to the one who acquitted himself the best with his boomerang thus pitied against each other in friendly strife they would go to work in earnest and fairly astonish the white men doubtful as it may seem to those who have never witnessed the feat an australian black can throw this whimsical weapon so as to cause it to describe a complete circle in the air or to give the reader a better idea of what is meant he would stand in front of a tolerably large house on the grass plot before the door and send his boomerang completely round the building from left to right that is to say it would upon leaving his hand vanish round the right corner and reappearing at the left eventually fall at his feet the whole circumference of the circle thus described is frequently not less than two hundred and fifty yards and upwards when hurled by a strong arm but the wonder lies wholly in its encircling properties and not in the distance to which it may be sent when forcibly thrown its own course is very rapid equaling the speed of an arrow for about fifty yards until it arrives at the point where it first begins to alter its course Thence it continues its career at about half speed and so gradually flies with diminishing impetus until as usual it returns to the spot once it started its flight is not unlike that of a bird and occasionally when great strength has been exerted it hovers a few moments before it falls to the ground and continuing its rotary motion remains in other aspects quite stationary much in the same way as a humming-top when it goes to sleep on the ground a deep hurtling sound accompanies its course during the whole of which it revolves with such rapidity as to appear like a wheel in the air by holding it at the opposite extremity so as to bring the flat side on the left hand a circle may be described in the other direction such as from left to right for the flat must always be the outer side but the prettiest evolution it can be made to perform is the following it is thrown with a tendency downwards upon which after having gone some twenty yards one point of it tips the ground three times successively at intervals of about the same distance rebounding with a sound like the twang of a harp-string meanwhile it continues its circular course until as before it returns to the thrower this feat is more difficult to accomplish than that of sending it through the air and requires all the thrower's skill there is one precise distance and no other at which it should first strike the ground for if it does so too forcibly its progress is wholly arrested and if on the other hand it is not sufficiently depressed and fails to come in contact with the ground its course is then completely altered for shortly after pausing the place where it ought to have rebounded it begins to rise and towers up in the air to the height of about fifty feet whence it falls down almost perpendicularly there is considerable difficulty in acquiring the knack of using this weapon few europeans accomplish it and those who succeed are at best poor imitators of the blacks who practice it from childhood and even at that tender age they may seem disporting themselves around their gunios or camps with boomerangs proportioned to their strength as the young peons of south america show promise of future dexterity with the lasso in its earlier use on the pigs and poultry we were never tired of witnessing the performances of the blacks as they warmed with the exercise and put forth their utmost strength and skill several of the boomerangs would be whizzing around us together there was endless variety in their evolutions and in the incomprehensible feats they occasionally performed thus we used to gaze on them with undiminished interest as they cut through the clear australian air until darkness put an end to the exhibition the principle of the boomerang has never yet been satisfactorily explained i never could understand it and it has puzzled far wiser heads than mine what is there in its shape that causes it to describe a circle the rule of its construction the blacks themselves either cannot or will not explain however by merely grasping a boomerang in the hand and poising it they can tell at once without throwing it whether or not it will fly i have often shaved some of the wood from one thinking to improve it thereby and a black upon taking hold of it has at once declared it to be bale budgery no good which upon trial has always proved to be the case the little that i had taken from it by destroying the balance had completely deprived the weapon of its power of motion for a long time we used to puzzle over the matter and once entertained thoughts of submitting it to some senior wrangler at cambridge but gradually ceased to cudgel our brains about it any more on the plea that it must be inexplicable and that with the ornithorhynchus, the native cherry and many other animal and vegetable productions of australia it was and must remain a paradox the helaman is a sort of shield made of the toughest wood procurable about three feet in length and six inches in breadth at the center, whence it gradually tapers off to a point at either extremity. The handle is in the middle and is merely a small aperture, just large enough to admit the hand. It is chiefly used in the duels which frequently occur, both between individuals of hostile and of the same tribes. For certain misdemeanors, such for instance as stealing a gin, the offending party has to pay the penalty of standing within a moderate distance thirty yards or so of the bereaved husband to whom a certain number of spears or boomerangs are allotted of which the ravisher has to bear the brunt defended only by his heloman. several of these duels took place at different times in our neighborhood and on such occasions there would be a numerous muster of the tribe and a great deal of speculation as to the issue of the contest which however as if the hottentot venus herself had turned aside the darts usually produced more noise than bloodshed the most singular duel is one that our tribe used to fight with the club everybody is aware of the superior thickness of skull possessed by these descendants of ham and it is now where to put a severer test than among the aborigines of australia the preliminaries having been arranged by the rest of the tribe the combatants advanced towards each other one bearing his wadi the other wholly unarmed there is no rush at the commencement and little excitement on either side he who is first destined to bear the fortune of war quietly puts down his head and in due time his antagonists blow comes down upon it bang the wadi then changes hands and the receiver becomes the assailant in some instances there is a limit assigned to the number of blows but in others the duel is protracted in which case it may be supposed to terminate in the insensibility of one or both of the combatants though as with the spear and Heloman, i seldom heard of a fatal result but in either case fortune can hardly be said to favor the brave for a stout heart would be of little service to a champion with a brittle head the majority of our tribe were very expert thieves and on this account their first visit to us ended very abruptly a large tobacco keg in the store was observed to be rapidly losing its contents by what means we were at a loss to discover as the building was perfectly secure to prevent further loss the keg was ordered to be removed elsewhere and it was no sooner shifted out of its position than the secret was revealed through the wooden slab which formed part of the wall and against which it had been placed was discovered a hole very small but sufficiently large to admit an old gin's arm which is the thinnest that could possibly belong to a human being the hole was not visible from the outside owing to a heap of firewood having been piled up against it one of the tribe who had been admitted inside the store had noticed the exact situation of the keg containing their chief luxury and had worked away stealthily from the exterior carefully replacing the firewood when the hole had been completed through which he had thus been enabled to act as a purveyor to the wants of his tribe an expedition to their encampment was the result of the detection of the theft and we flattered ourselves that we should at least have the satisfaction of recovering part of the missing property but they were gone having again forestalled us and did not reappear until many weeks afterwards when sufficient time had elapsed to allow them to smoke their spoils in peace and lay blame as usual upon some hostile tribe whom they represented as being thousand saucy and bad enough to steal anything End of chapter ten